Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson, and today I want to talk to you about something I think vitally important in the evangelical church, and that is the over-programmed church. And in fact, what I want to share with you on this episode of the program is 10 reasons why you should under-program your church. Uh, Nearly every evangelical, when pressed, Uh, would insist that the church is people, not a place, right? So a building is not a church. A set of programs is not a church. A structure is not a church. Christians together are the church. Uh, A local church is a local community of Christians covenanting together under the biblical pattern of sacraments, fellowship, discipleship, authority, and mission. And, of course, over all of that, the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, But really... This is harder to say with integrity in churches that have become bloated, right? So if the church is people, then the organizational machine in a local congregation um, really should be considered expendable in some ways. Um, The organization, in fact, may dissolve, but the church will remain so long as the Holy Spirit indwells his people. Uh, Yet many of those doing certain kinds of churches, certain models, paradigms of ministry— are really fearful of the organization going through any kind of shift, uh, transitioning, um, even radically changing. So there are personal visions and aspirations that are at stake there. There's a lot of money at stake there. There's buildings involved. Lots of programs are considered um, successful. And the enterprise is really predicated upon the longevity, the bigness, uh, the success of the enterprise, right? So this divide is illustrated even in the way congregations multiply. I don't want to be um, stepping on too many toes here, but, you know, I'm the one on the podcast, so here we go. Uh, A simple church can be more passionate about church planting, I'm convinced, because a simpler church is easier to replicate and because it's seen as more preferable um, to send a growing number of people out to start a new work than to face the difficulty of of accommodating more people in the original community. This doesn't mean that the simple church doesn't value new people who come. It only means that they do not value institutional expansion as much as they value missional expansion. And this goes for the sort of franchising impulse with the multi-site phenomenon. I know multi-site can be done well. Um, You know, I have friends who do it uh, as well as it can be done. Um, And yet I just think overall um, it's, it's not the wisest way of church multiplication. Um, the attractional church is evidently and increasingly passionate about satellite campuses, video venues, church branding, um, the leadership's platforms in the public, strategic partnerships, so on and so forth. And when an attractional church multiplies, the results then resemble, as I said, more franchises than church plants or new works of God. Um, attractional churches often believe they have something unique, something marketable, something within their organizational machine or presentation that can be sold, shared, or otherwise disseminated in order to expand the reputation or influence, again, the brand of the local church and structure. And when this happens, it puts more and more of a stake in the organization itself. So the church is seen as synonymous with the organization, with the name, the leaders, the production. And a lot then has to be um, carried out to make sure the enterprise keeps running and growing. But in the simple church phenomenon, 
uh, we see a lot of that stuff sort of pass away and and become um, expendable, right? So the simple church uh, is trying to maintain a biblical order and structure and at the same time becomes more free and more agile in its attempts to treat the congregation like a body, not a machine. So the simple church follows the direction, not of the shifting winds of the culture, but of the surprising currents of the Spirit. Its attention is not first to the newspaper, but to the gospel. So let me give you some reasons why you should move, if, if you're not there or not headed there, towards a more simple church, to a simpler church. How should you or why should you under-program your church? Right. So here's number one. Um, you can do a lot of things in a mediocre way, or you can do a few things extremely well. The overprogrammed church struggles with the pursuit of excellence because its energy and focus are so scattershot. Um, do you remember uh, back in the day, and perhaps in some places, where McDonald's offered pizza? Um, maybe you don't. I do, but I'd rather not remember those days. Uh, McDonald's realized pretty quickly that they ought to stick to the classic McDonald's fare burgers and so on. Uh, They could not pull off pizza like restaurants dedicated to pizza could. Similarly, the church needs to stick to what the Bible actually tells us to do. And what the Bible actually tells us to do is not really complicated. It's hard um, in many cases, but it's not complicated. Um, So we need to make sure that we do a few things, because when you do a few things, you can do them better than when you try to do a lot of things. When you try to do a lot of things, really, you end up doing a lot of things in a mediocre way. Secondly, overprogramming creates an illusion of fruitfulness that really may just be busyness. Uh, a bustling crowd may not be spiritually changed or engaged in mission at all. And, you know, our flesh cries out for works, many times filling our programs with eager, even servant minded people uh, um, in a way that kind of appeals to self righteousness. So, just like those breathless bones wrestling about in, in Ezekiel 37. The activity that we see may signal a life that actually isn't real. It's kind of a scary realization um, that busyness is not in itself a sign of life. And an overprogrammed church can create an illusion of fruitfulness that belies uh, the real reality. Um, thirdly, overprogramming is a detriment to single mindedness in a community, the importance of single mindedness in a community. If we're all busy engaging our interests and pursuits of different things, we will have a harder time enjoying the one accord prescribed by the New Testament. The continued compartmentalizing and segmenting of the church is not healthy either. And so it's harder in these cases to be the church when we're sequestered into our little programs or groups centered on specific demographics or interests. If we can't engage in mission with brothers and sisters who may not share our age, social status, or personal hobbies and interests, we miss out on the important enjoyment together of the Christ we have in common. Fourthly, overprogramming runs the risk of turning a church into a host of extracurricular activities, uh, sort of mirroring the, the type A family mode of suburban achievers. So the church can become a grocery store or merely a more spiritual YMCA, perfect for people who want religious activities on their calendar. And the more we turn the church into a provider of goods and services, the more we aid and abet the consumeristic spirituality of our congregation. And the more we feed their self-righteous moralism and their relegating of their faith to a to-do item in their weekly schedule. 
Fifthly, um, overprogramming dilutes actual ministry effectiveness. Overprogramming dilutes actual ministry effectiveness. Um, it can overextend leaders, leading to burnout. Um, it increases administration. It taxes the time of church members. Uh, it saps financial and material resources from the churches. You actually become less effective the more you try to do. All right, let's take a coffee break here and hear from our hosts at Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern College is preparing and equipping the leaders of today and tomorrow. Our students continue to be agents of change both in the United States and around the world. The unique community environment at Midwestern College fosters spiritual, personal, and academic growth as students deepen their understanding of the Word of God and the world He created. With our dual degree option, students can get grounded in the truth while getting ready for the marketplace. Our Accelerate program allows students to pursue both their Bachelor of Arts and their Master of Divinity simultaneously in one intensive five-year program. Midwestern College, both residential and online degrees available. Midwestern is the sensible option for preparing and equipping the leaders of today and tomorrow. Find out more at MidwesternCollege.com. Midwestern Seminary's Doctor of Ministry degree program is your next step in training for local ministry. The Doctor of Ministry program at Midwestern Seminary is designed to equip and train leaders with a commitment to the local church. With multiple emphases available, including counseling, church revitalization, expository preaching, leadership, and missions, among others, your program provides the equipping you need in practical theology for direct church work and ministry leadership. And because all of our doctoral programs are modular, you don't have to leave your current ministry to pursue your degree. For more information, visit mbts.edu today. That's mbts.edu. And we're back. We're talking about reasons you should underprogram your church. What does the trajectory towards a simple church look like? And so I've I've listed five reasons so far why you should underprogram your church ministry. Uh, let's pick up again. Number six, overprogramming leads to segmentation among ages, life stages, and affinities which creates division in the church body. Now, certainly there are some legitimate reasons for gathering according to likenesses, uh, but many times increasing the number of programs means increasing the ways and frequencies of these separations. Um, Pervasive segmentation is not good for church unity or spiritual growth. It also tempts a church to begin catering to a particular demographic as more valuable than others. Uh, determining that market share among demographics with cultural currency uh, or actual currency with money uh, is a preferable um, you know, alternative to ministry among other groups. And this kind of thinking is antithetical to that of Christ's mission to the least, last, and lost. Number seven, overprogramming stifles mission. Overprogramming stifles mission. The more we are engaged within the four walls of the church, or simply within the walls, quote-unquote walls, of a church program, the less we're engaged in being salt and light. Overprogramming reduces access to and opportunities with my neighbors. If I'm so busy with church stuff, then it keeps me from actually being the church out in, in my community or being a witness to the um, you know, church's um, stewardship of the gospel in my community with my neighbors because I'm just so busy doing religious stuff that I actually cease to be a good religious person. Number eight, overprogramming reduces margin in the lives of church members. So very similar to our previous point, 
Um, when you over-program someone, you actually prevent them from um, the biblically mandated rest, um, time with their family. It really is a fast track to burnout for both volunteers in the programs and also uh, attendees, participants in the programs, because over-programming implicitly pushes out Sabbath rest. It just sort of fills all the margins with things to do. Number nine, over-programming gets a church further and further away from the New Testament vision of the local church. So here's a good test. Take a look at a typically over-programmed church's calendar and ask yourself, count how many of the activities resemble things that are seen in the New Testament. I don't want to particular, you know, pick on a particular program, um, but just look at your calendar, compare what you see there the, in, in the church's activities with things the New Testament believers actually did. Uh, this doesn't mean that every extra-biblical program is an invalid expression of biblical commands and expectations, but a lot of them are. And certainly it, it would lend them to, to being seen as more expendable, right? Um, many of the ones that we see, many of the items we see on our church calendar um, are not derived directly from biblical commands and expectations. And in those cases, very often they serve as distractions from the few things the Bible actually calls us to do. If I'm so busy doing other church activities that aren't things found in the Bible, it actually keeps me from being engaged in church activities that are things that are found or derived from um, the Bible. Number 10, overprogramming is usually the result of unself-reflective reflex reactions to perceived needs and, in many cases, an inability to kill sacred cows um, that really are actually already dead. And a lot of churches, older churches, plateaued churches, um, declining churches, some of these sacred cows, they're already dead, and we just keep trying to get the thing to move, right? So always ask in your meeting, planning meetings, calendar meetings, should we, before you ask, can we? There's a lot of things local churches can do um, that they probably shouldn't do or don't need to do, right? Um, so always ask, should we, before you ask, can we? And always ask, will this please God, before you ask, will this please our people, right? So the consecration impulse is greater, or ought to be greater, than the consumeristic impulse. It's not always bad to give people what they want, especially if, if, if what they want is something that God wants them to have, is something that the Scriptures command us to feed the sheep with. If, if that's what they want and that's what they're demanding, we need to make sure that we actually obey. But not everything our people want is, you know, um, are things that they actually need. So always ask, should we before can we? Always ask, will this please God before you ask, will this please our people? And always ask, will this meet a need before you ask, will this meet a demand? As in all things, every church needs someone in the room. I am utterly convinced. you got to have somebody, the designated person in the room, um, where all the thinking caps are kept, who has the authorization to say, that's not a good idea, or I don't see that in the Bible, or let's take a step back and ask, what is the rationale for doing that? And while you're in that room, let that guy take up the thinking caps and hand out some shepherd staffs, and let's shepherd our people rather than um, feeding them from the commercialized, consumeristic mindset. Let's under-program our church and see just how agile, how rejuvenated it might be in the gospel and out towards mission. 
Thank you for listening to the For the Church podcast. I'm Jared Wilson. As always, if you have enjoyed what you've heard here and profited from it, we ask that you would share it with your friends and neighbors, uh, your pastors, ministry leaders, folks in your church. Give us a good review on iTunes. Don't just subscribe and listen. Um, get the word out about For the Church. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, Managing Editor of For the Church, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.